to just hear what people do in the morning. It's that time of day that no one really talks about or tells you about. And I think you can get a really good sense of who people are and the way that they think. Welcome back to a new season. I'm Katie Delbout, your host of Let It Out. And this is the last intro I'm recording at this desk in my room in New York that I've recorded a bunch of these for over two years. Literally someone from Craigslist is coming the second I finish this intro to pick up this desk, which is why I had to do it right now. I'm going to be moving and traveling, so much change. And with that, since I saw you last, since I was in your ears last, I launched the new Let It Out 2.0, a website that I would love for you to check out. It's a digital magazine that's an extension of what we do here on the podcast, telling what I call soft stories. So vulnerable, tender, real stories that I believe when we tell, connect us, make us feel us alone and makes the world a little bit smaller. Please check out the website. Let me know what you think. It's kind of like a house that's new and I just moved in, so there's not a ton of furniture in it yet, but we will be filling it out more with more content and more topics and more events. Speaking of events, we had the launch party, which was a soft storytelling event in New York City this week, and it was so magical. Several past podcast guests were there and some read soft stories and future podcast guests. It was really cool. And I'll tell you guys more about that later. And it was very cool to meet people who listen to the podcast and bringing this community together in real life makes it feel real and really helped me. So right now I'm, like I said, about to leave. I'm kind of shutting down and taking a break. The podcast will actually still be coming out weekly, But other than that, I'm going to be traveling and getting inspired about what's next. And I think traveling will help with that kind of rut that I've been in creatively, which brings me to today's episode with Emily Elise Miller, who's traveled a bunch and it very much inspired her work, which centers around morning rituals of people around the world. And it's so much more than that, which we get into in this episode, but she's a writer and a author of this book, it's called Breakfast, the cookbook, but she's the founder of something called Breakfast Club, which brings creative people together around the meal of breakfast, around morning rituals, creative people in all different cities. I think you're really going to like her. I loved talking about mornings with her because there's a softness and a realness to them that really fits with Let It Out and the ethos of where I want this podcast and my work to go. We talk about trend casting, which is something I didn't even know what it was, but she has a background in fashion and is one of the most stylish people that I know and just very cool. I really, really enjoyed her and I'm excited to be your friend. We talk about working in food and how that affects body image. We talk about loneliness, especially as a freelancer. We talk about money in freelance and making money in different ways. We talk about creativity and the struggle with that. She gives some great advice. I I just really enjoyed her and I got a lot out of this episode and I think you will too. So let's get to that. I was recommended her by previous podcast guest, Camilla Ruth Marcus, who owns this wonderful place, Westbourne, who actually 
was one of the people who catered our party. Anyway, unrelated, but maybe an episode to go back and listen to. I'll be back at the end of this episode with some likes and learns, a little segment we do at the end where I share something I like, something I learned. And please support the sponsors. Today's sponsors, BetterHelp. And I talk a lot about mental health in this episode. And especially now that I'm traveling, BetterHelp is going to be more important than ever. So use the code and also BioClarity, which is something that I've been using and will be taking with me. I'm excited for you to hear about those and then get to this episode. And I'll talk to you at the end for likes and learn. I've talked to you guys at length about how therapy is so beneficial to me. And I have talked to therapists in person and over the internet, and I really love this service, BetterHelp. Better H-E-L-P help. Anyway, they match you with a licensed therapist in under 24 hours, you can start communicating with them. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account at any time and message your counselor who's licensed and vetted. And I really, really love this company, especially now that I'm traveling. I feel like it's a great resource. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they make it really easy and free for you to change counselors if needed. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available to start your session today. I think you should try it, might as well. You can go to their website first and read some testimonials. Obviously I'm giving you a testimonial right now, but I think you guys might wanna try it. And if you've been considering therapy or you've been in therapy and out of therapy and you wanna try something again, this might be a really great way in. And I have a special offer for you for my listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash let it out. That's betterhelp.com slash let it out. And use the code let it out at checkout for your discount. I really think that this company's great and they do a really nice job with their platform and I think you guys would really like it. So check it out. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you have any questions and thank you BetterHelp. All right, you guys know skincare is very important to me and I've had a tumultuous relationship with my skin. Maybe you guys don't know this, but in early episodes, I had several acne experts on because I have been through it with my skin. When I was in high school, I had really bad acne and then went away. And then a couple years after college, it came back again. And anyway, I don't try a lot of products and test a lot of things on my skin because it is so sensitive and I just can't take the risk, you guys. But BioClarity is something I truly, really love. Their clear skin routine is for combination oily and breakout prone skin like myself. And that's what I use. And it comes with everything you need to keep my skin clear. And their ingredients are really, really clean and lovely. There's a three-step process that treats, cleanses, and restores your skin. And it feel I can really feel the difference. I'm taking this with me. It calms my breakouts when I get them. And they have all sorts of other routines too. They have an essentials routine for normal or dry skin. I just think they're great and I I would love for you guys to try them. They have this three-step regimen that's full of detoxifying and calming nutrients and you can tell by the texture of these products that it really gives your skin you can just tell you're doing something healthy for your skin basically by the color and it help, it's been helping me with redness and hyperpigmentation because I have a lot of that from previously having 
acne. So you can just tell by the natural color of these products that it's really just going into your skin. So check it out. I think you guys will like it. I would love for you to tell me what you think and if it helps you with your skin or just makes your skin even better than it already is, go to bioclarity.com. And right now, you guys, my listeners, are going to get 40% off of skincare routines plus an additional 15% off everything on their website. That's an incredible deal, but you need to enter my code, let it out at checkout. So again, that's 40% off their routines. That's like almost half off you guys. And then an additional 15% off everything on their website. So go to bioclarity.com to get 40% off skincare routines, plus the 15% off everything on their website and use my code, let it out at checkout. I'm so excited to chat with you. So let's start from the beginning. So where did you grow up? What were you like as a kid? What were you eating as a kid? I grew up between Arizona and Hawaii. So very kind of split food personalities and just environments in general. So when I was really little, I was on the beach every day. And in Hawaii, there's a huge Japanese culture and really just like South Asian culture in general. So I was eating Spam Mitsubi when I was like, three and bringing all of these really Japanese kind of food traditions to elementary school and eating with all of the kids. Like it was no big deal. And then when I got to Arizona, trying to do similar stuff like that obviously didn't go over so well for me, but it's, it's kind of fun to see those food conflicts just, I mean, they're all us based, but it's just so drastically different based on where you are in the country. That's so interesting. So what were the years in each place? When did you come to Hawaii? I was there until I was about seven and then spent most of my childhood in and high school and everything in Scottsdale. But we would go back to Hawaii like almost every year. And it's it's like very special place for me. I haven't been back in a really long time, though. So I feel like it's super nostalgic now. I bet. Do you have family there? And is that your cultural upbringing is Hawaiian and no, my family is Italian and like Eastern European mix. Yeah. But they're just living in Hawaii. Yeah. My dad is in the hotel, like hospitality industry. So he had been bouncing around. I mean, before he had my sister and I, and then my parents moved to Hawaii, which was amazing. And then I keep trying to get them to move back there. Yeah. And then he, his job moved him to Arizona. So that's, and that's why where they we are ended now. up there. Yeah. That's where they are now. Wow. Okay. So then what were you, what were you eating as a kid once you got to Arizona? Were there things that you loved about that? What is Arizonan food really? Uh, it's very Southwestern. I, yeah. I mean, I, desperately miss Mexican food because you get such good Mexican food there. I mean, it's very like Americanized Mexican food to a certain extent, but you can really seek out some cool regional dishes and restaurants there. Lots of avocados, avocado toast before it was cool. Yeah. And then my family's Jewish. So we would have, we would always have locks in the fridge. My parents are from New York. So that kind of New York element was always there. We would make lox and eggs for breakfast and bagels and and that kind of thing. Wow, that's a lot of different influences for one person. It's it's definitely been a lot, which maybe is why I'm so intrigued by global food culture and traveling and 
really yeah. like have that need to explore what else is out there. So did you know you wanted to be a writer? Did you know you wanted to work in food? How did you get into that? I went to school for fashion design, actually. Oh, wow. I was really, I've always been into art and cooking. Like I loved being in the kitchen, mm-hmm. um, but because my dad was in hospitality, I think he knew what, how hard the life of a chef and a cook can be like being in kitchens for those hours. And I wanted to get into pastry, but um, really started leaning more towards fashion and design. So essentially was looking for a really good reason to get out of Arizona and come to New York for school. So ended up at FIT doing fashion design and then kind of concentrating more on intimate apparel. So like very detail oriented kind of things. While I was in school, there wasn't one semester that I didn't have an internship. So it was always doing uh, more like editorial style internships and fell into trend forecasting. So was doing that and no one... What does that mean exactly? So trend forecasting in fashion is, is kind of taking what's going on in different major like fashion cities around the globe and really helping brands to predict what's going to be next. And what kinds of things they can expect to see in coming collections. And like, that is everything from colors. And I kind of think of um, trend forecasters as like, you're living in the clouds in a way. And you're just kind of like letting people know what you're seeing is cool based on patterns that you're noticing around the world. So again, it has that global element where you're taking a step back and like looking at everything from a very whole perspective So I really enjoyed that and no one could talk about food and I grew up in food and cooking. So they would always put me on the food and kind of travel related stories. And after doing those, I was just like, why am I in fashion? (laughs) Like, what am I doing? This is what I actually love. So I got way more into food writing and dove down that hole, like really hard and essentially left my apartment for a year and a half and just like lived in other places and traveled and wrote and started hosting events and doing all these things. So tell me about that. Where were the places that you went? What did you learn from that experience? Did you ever feel lonely? I feel lonely even in New York. Yeah, so <laughs> I feel lonely surrounded by people. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. When I was traveling, I felt like I was kind of running from something, but mm-hmm. I think it was more just like, excitement to see what's out there and like knowing what is in all of these other places. I lived in Lisbon for three months, which was amazing and was in London for a bit. I was in Nashville for a bit, which was cool. Mexico city, Singapore was one of my favorite places I've ever been. So I was there for a few months too. So very like wide range of So were you sent to these places by for different projects or did you craft this trip on your own and then pitch based off of where you were? It was kind of a hodgepodge of everything. Mm -hmm. So I had a project to do in London and didn't want to stay in London for three months because it would be really expensive to do an Airbnb and like be there. So I was like, let's go to Portugal and see what happens there. And had one person who I knew there and then like slowly just started making new friends. I really like spending a long time in places because then I go to a city and I don't feel anxious to try every new restaurant, check out every shop, everything in a few days, even a week. Yeah. I like to just come in, chill, spend days doing work. Like I normally would find a cool coffee shop, 
eat out the same amount I normally would. Right. And I think that's the best way to really like meet people and like yeah. create those connections because you're living life the way that they would. Yeah. So then talk, you mentioned you started hosting events. How did that happen? What are the events that you host? Bring us more up to the present with what you do. Yeah. So about four years ago, while I was doing this, I started a series called Breakfast Club and it was meant to get creative people together in different cities around the world, essentially wherever I was traveling kind of selfishly to have an excuse to reach out to like all of the cool people in each city who I was really intrigued to meet and learn more about. And I thought the best way to incentivize them to come would be to a really good meal. Yeah. And there's something really raw and real and connective about breakfast because there's no alcohol typically. So you have to kind of forge your way through initial awkwardness and, and just early. like create those really good connections. I feel like really real conversations happen at these events. So essentially I would convince some of the best chefs in the city to open their restaurants in the morning. Cause typically they were tasting menu only type restaurants. And there's something really creative about being in a space that, like you're not supposed to be in yeah. and it's in the morning and these chefs would not serve their normal tasting menu. They would make like bacon, egg, and cheese sandwiches and super casual things that like they always want to make. So the chefs were having fun with it. They're cooking for industry friends and peers and new people. And it was just, it's this like really amazing creative energy that happens. And so you started doing those wherever you were. And then what was the reaction to that? Did you then decide to come back to New York and eventually stay here? Yeah, it was kind of in and out. I think I actually started doing breakfast club events while I was still in New York and then traveled and hosted a lot more of them and then came back, hosted more in the US, left. Like it was very like back and forth Mm -hmm. kind of thing. I just got very addicted to exploring and being away and traveling and meeting new people. So yeah, I've hosted over 40 of them now. So cool. So eventually it became a book. Tell me about that and the process and what the book is. So the book is, I mean, keeping with the theme about breakfast. So traditional breakfast recipes from around the world. It's really a document of not chef recipes, but home cooking, like what people actually eat in countries all over. So I met my editor at one of my breakfast club events, coincidentally, and she just had such a great time and we stayed in touch and she kept coming to a lot of my events and we stayed in touch because I was traveling and she's always looking for really cool new chefs to assign cookbooks to. But then we finally had breakfast and we were like, wait, why are we not doing something together? So it just kind of kept getting pushed up the ladder at Fightin, which is like, my absolute dream publisher. And it ended up being part of their Bible collection series um, all on breakfast. So it's so beautiful. Yeah. So what are some of your favorite recipes from the book? I it's biased because they're like my favorite countries that I love going mm-hmm. to. Um, I love the chiquiles recipe because the salsa verde recipe I tested like 10 times. <laughs> and I really love it. So chiquiles, let's see. Anything, What's a Portugal breakfast? It's really like pastel de nata, like the egg tarts. Okay. The egg tarts. But I mean, that's also kind of like a fancier, not fancy, but like if you're going out to meet someone, I guess you would just like 
stop at a cafe and get mm-hmm. a pastry and a coffee and that's right. it. But at home, you would really just have toast. They have incredible breads in Portugal. So a lot of Europe is very simple mm-hmm. weekday breakfast. It's really just like bread and like a slice of cheese or cold cuts and yeah, coffee. Yeah, <laughs> coffee, coffee is Europe for yeah. sure. And then anything from Singapore, I love... And like Southeast Asia, like all of those countries, I feel like are really fun because there's a lot of soups, which mm-hmm. from Western culture, you wouldn't necessarily think is a breakfast, breakfast dish, right. but is so, so incredible and nourishing and helps like really wake you up and energize you for the day. Yeah. So you just prep it the night before and you're good to go for like a few days during the week. I love having soup for breakfast. I remember when I went to Hawaii at the breakfast buffet, because it's so close to Japan, they had miso soup. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Right. And I started to make myself miso broth in the morning when I got home because I just liked the warmth of it. Just like you like the warmth of a tea or a coffee, but. Exactly. It needs to be more of a thing. I love that you do that. In Hawaii, there's also Simon soup, which is like a little sweeter of a broth with it's like ramen noodles and fish cakes. And it's like a weird mix of. Japanese, Filipino, and maybe like Malaysian or something. Cool. Like all the flavors in it are so interesting. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. So working in food, writing a cookbook, the job that you have now, we always talk about body image on this podcast because of my history with an eating disorder and just being a woman in the world and all the things. How does being just a person in the world, how do you handle body image? And then also working in food, has that ever been something? And then also your connection to fashion, has that been something that you've ever struggled with? Or you seem like so beautiful and confident and put together every time I've seen you in life and on the internet, but how has it been mentally? Uh, The internet is deceiving. I think that a lot of people need to like really state that more, whatever I post on Instagram. I mean, I try and be real as real as I can through the morning rituals that I do. I try not to like overthink it and just talk about actually how I'm feeling. Like I was going through kind of a hard time. Like once I turned in the book, I had like a lot of life things happen all at once. And during that time, my posts got like real dark and I wanted to show that side of things too. But at the end of the day, a lot of people just post the like life that they want to be having, even though it's just this like glamorized version of the things mm-hmm. that they're actually doing. That's why I love morning rituals because it's just time for you. And there's no really like glamorizing that. It's like the most human time of day. Everybody yeah. wakes up. Everybody like needs to do something to like yeah. get them ready. As far as body image goes, it's it's rough. Like, it's so rough. I came from fashion and then went into food where you, especially as a woman, are expected to look a certain way, but then also house, like, a 12-course tasting menu and then go get pizza after and, like, hang with everyone. And it makes you sick. It's not even like a weight thing too. It's like a health thing Mm -hmm. and it affects your mental health and you just don't feel well and you have to just learn how to say no. And sometimes you get judged by that and those people suck. So (laughs) do your own thing. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's it's hard to intuitively eat when it's part of your job. Right. Any dietary restrictions, any like, not even a diet, like you just don't feel like drinking one night. 
the eye rolls are unreal. You have to be really ready for that. Like being in food is tough. And I think people are just starting to address that now. And I mean, I'm, I even feel on the periphery, like Mm -hmm. being a chef, like being working in bars, especially like the expectation to keep up with some unrealistic lifestyle is, it's just not cool anymore. Well, I think that's something that is obviously most prevalent in food, but I was just talking to a friend who is sober and working on Beto's, Beto? Yeah, Beto's campaign. And in that industry, she was saying how it's so, there's so much drinking culture of just like being in a corporate job. Like that, not that that's necessarily a corporate job, but I used to work a corporate job and it was the same thing. Like I was always like trying to find an out of like, I actually don't want another drink and I kind of want to go back to my hotel room, but like I feel obligated to have this connection or go to this thing. And I think navigating that as a person in any industry is challenging, but food, it just must be so intensified because it's literally part of the job. It is, but I do agree that like drinking culture in general is like part of every industry because that's how you get to hang out with people, which is also slightly... I mean, no, like a lot of the reason why I wanted to do breakfast, I was doing a lot of food writing. So inherently was invited to media events and those were all like cocktail parties and dinners. And it was just so rich. And I like saw my body changing and I didn't really even enjoy half of the meals I was having and wanted to really like take back control over everything. And I feel like better connections happen during the morning. You're sacrificing sleep and to meet somebody else who is going to do the same thing is like mm-hmm. the kindest gesture ever. Yeah. So that's more important to me than getting a cocktail, even and though I, I love cocktails and things like that totally. too. It's just, I want to choose when to drink them. I don't yeah. want to be like goaded into doing all of this stuff. It's so true. Cause like, I love a good cocktail and a glass of wine as much as the next guy, but I really like to reserve that for special occasions with cozy people with a date night or like a friend hang, not all the time, but I don't really use it in a way to relax, I guess. And if I'm with work people or networking, it's like not my preferred way to enjoy alcohol, you know? Right. And so I think that, I don't know, it's just interesting. Like I would prefer to be freshest during those interactions. And I know it's different for everyone, but for me, that's in the morning. And so it just, it just makes sense. I think, I feel like, and maybe this is wrong, but you might know, I feel like traditionally networking and connection like should be over coffee and morning. Is there any history to that? I just think you can hold people more accountable if you can't blame alcohol for yeah. things. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it makes it kind of fun. It's like a little masochistic to get people to like forcefully meet in the morning. But at the end of the day, what you're uncomfortable for one second, and then you actually make a real connection. And I don't really want to hang out with people who don't want to feel uncomfortable because that's how you change and grow and learn. And those are the friends that I want. So yeah, Yeah, I think that's really cool. I love your morning rituals. And it's, I think that's originally why I wanted to have you on the podcast, because I've been doing this since 2013 and it's changed and morphed a thousand times. But one question that I've always asked people, because I think it's such a window into their lives is your, about your morning routine and your evening routine. The first three things you do when you wake up, the first three things you do, or a few more 
before you go to sleep. So that's perfect for you. So what is your typical, let's start with morning. I feel like everyone expects me to have this perfect answer. And I think this is a good example of that kind of humanizing element in a way that like yeah. everyone needs to just do what works for them. And it's different every day and yes. the seasons. That's what I found and from asking this question to everyone. Yeah. Like, I tried to do it all. And then I was like, it's noon and I'm I know. overwhelmed. <laughs> from like a mental health perspective, I've been trying to like check in with myself a lot more and like be kinder to myself. Like if I don't get up as early as I wanted to, I'm not going to beat myself up about it and let it like affect the next few hours or Great. even like my whole day but I'm kind of understanding a little bit more about what I need to do for myself. So I have a bunch of different things that I'll do depending on like how much care I feel like I need or what state I'm in, especially traveling. Like it's, it's rough and it's lonely and you need to be able to check in with yourself and kind of like replenish what's going on. So there's an array of different things I'll do. Like, reading like from an actual book I try not to like check my phone when I first wake up which hey like does not work all the time (laughs) sometimes meditating I'll go weeks where I do it every day and I'm like this is awesome and then I'll travel somewhere and it's completely died and I need to like Mm -hmm. get back in the swing of it same with skincare routine and all these like weird wellness trends that I just think are hilarious and fun and like try just to see so cool. yeah, it's, it's definitely always making coffee though. Like coffee, making coffee in the morning makes me feel amazing. Do you I have a certain that. like kind that you like, or do you, you make it yourself? You don't go get it. I sometimes I'll go get it. Depends. Like I like having coffee meetings with people in the morning. I like a brasso, espresso in the East village. I live like around the that feels like, I know I lo- I love it. That feels like a treat. I will wake up and meet somebody there anytime. Let's do that. Yeah. (laughs) I like getting beans while I'm traveling. So I just went to New Orleans and I got congregation coffee, which is one of the few like micro roasters there. And that's amazing. So it kind of like reminds you of your trip. It's a good souvenir. Yeah. That's great. What about in the evening? What are the last few things you do before you go to bed? I always wash my face. I will never go to sleep. No matter how drunk I am, it can be four o'clock in the morning. I will always wash my face yeah me too I'm the same way yeah I did mushrooms for the first time last week which is like a whole story yeah but I was like definitely on drugs and was like I need to wash my face and do my full skincare exactly (laughs) otherwise like I just can't be in bed it freaks me out I won't be able to sleep (laughs) I know it's very uncomfortable I know anything else you do to like wind down on a typical night um no because that is way more unstable to me than mornings I feel like every night is yeah Different. is way different yeah and I, I don't know it's not it's not necessarily like my time of day so maybe I should give myself a little bit more care in the evenings too which I think is really important to wind down but a lot of times I just will watch something like I love tv and movies so what have much. you been watching lately I love euphoria oh I've seen the like signs for it it's good it's amazing it's yeah. like a very cool depiction of youth culture now and just like the fashion and the makeup and everything like it feels like very appropriately depressive and helps you 
kind of like associate a lot of feelings with just like being a young person in general, even though I'm not that young, but like, it's all very similar, like growing up in today's world, a lot of the stuff that you have to deal with. And I think they just did a really good job with it. So a lot of those super cheeky shows I love, like Pen15 is amazing. Big Mouth is amazing. Anyone who's kind of like pushing the barriers a little bit for Mm -hmm. like what's appropriate for TV and talking about human nature in that way. I think that's the thing about teenagers it's like we're all kind of just teenagers they're just feeling it for the first time and like hormones but we're all the emotions are still the same as you grow up the stakes are kind of just higher as you get bigger right (laughs) and to me technology doesn't change anything at all like it's hard to grow up as a kid no matter what generation you're in yeah like our parents like didn't know they got rejected or like not invited to the party until the next day, but it didn't change how bad it hurt. And then today kids have to watch it in real time, but maybe they can connect with other kids who also didn't get invited or they just have way more body positive and just more people who they can look up to that are similar to themselves. Yeah. And growing up in Arizona, I do not look like anyone who I went to school with and it was really hard. I just had fashion magazines, which is a terrible depiction of actual life. And it's, it's tough. So like that was hard. Whereas today has a whole new set of problems when it comes to social media, but at least you can find these people who you look up to who are similar to you. And like, you can aspire to be like, that's really interesting. Cause I, I think I've so often looked at today's, the kids younger than me and been like, Oh my God, at least I didn't know like they have it so bad, but actually it would have been really cool to have a Tumblr when I was younger than I right? was when I had one. It would have been cool to like have the internet in a greater way and connect. It would have made me feel a lot less alone in a lot of ways. And yeah, that's a, it's an interesting perspective to have on it. Just like an endless creative outlet and like place right. to learn and connect. And yeah. there are good and bad things that come from that. And there are good and bad things that come from being completely bored out of your mind. <laughs> I think it's any generation. Yeah. There's like, I'm sure the generation before us said that this about other things. Completely. That's why it's literally just youth culture. It's just growing up. Everyone deals with the same emotions, which is kind of cool. And why I love trend forecasting so much because you kind of look at everything from just an outside perspective as best as you can. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about trends a little bit. I want to talk about trends in food because I think that'd be really interesting, but you have great style. I'm like staring at your necklaces right now and they're like all working and wonderful and your nails and just all of it in your apartment. Aesthetically, your work is really beautiful too. So clearly you like carried over trend forecasting and what you learned in fashion school. What's your like advice on style and crafting a personal style and just, yeah, any kind of thoughts there? A lot of my influence comes from traveling and because I am purposely trying to connect with all of these creative people in different cities and just like learn about what the creative industry is, not even just food, not even just art, just what makes that city tick and like all of the young artists and creative people, like why do they live Mm -hmm. there? Like why do they create there? Figuring out who those people are and seeing how they carry themselves, like what they wear, what kind of art they have or create. Like Mm -hmm. that's what's super cool to me. So a lot of the stuff in my apartment, a lot of my clothes, definitely a lot of my jewelry is kind of picked up 
from traveling. So it feels super personal to me. And it's, I don't know what exact style it is, but it's cool. It's like a mix of a lot of things. Is that from Portugal? The big rooster head? Yeah. That's from Mexico City. So it's this like wooden rooster head that I found in a market and I got it immediately because why would I not it's buy so that? Cool. <laughs> and they gave it to me in this clear plastic bag. So I was walking around Mexico City for the entire rest of the day with this giant like wood rooster head. And it was really fun. But isn't it also a thing in Portugal? Like they have the the Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. They have roosters so too. Yeah. As far as style goes too, especially coming from fashion, it's weird. Like a lot of times I want to dress up, but I feel like no one else is dressing up. So it's either just like going for it and not caring, which is pretty much a lot of the time I feel overdressed or like weird in comparison. But I don't know. Personal style changes all the time. Yeah. So especially having to do with mental health and body image and things like that. Like it's... Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about where you are with mental health and being someone who's a creative person and a freelancer and does a lot of different things. I have anxiety and depression, and I think being a freelancer exasperates all of the above. And I think overwhelm is really an interesting thing to talk about. Is that something you ever experienced, and how do you handle that? Choosing breakfast as a niche helped me really focus on everything. Mm. So not even just because I became really fascinated with this time of day, but before that, I just, I didn't know what direction I was going in. I was doing stuff with fashion, with design, with this, with that. And like my brain was, I mean, really creatively stimulated, but like overly stimulated, too many directions I can go, but like no clear path. Mm -hmm. And I need to be able to like picture some kind of like grand future that feels larger than life and then figure out how to get there. And when I have too much going on, it doesn't let me progress in any way. So deciding to like stick with this niche and like really like a lot of brands would reach out after breakfast club became semi-successful to like do other projects. And I was just like, if you want to be part of breakfast club, that is great. But like, I'm not doing any more styling, art direction, like anything to do with that. And just making sure that everything stayed really focused. And that comes with saying no. I mean, which is the hardest thing to learn how to do. It's scary. (laughs) It's like this lack mentality. I'm struggling with that a lot because I just kind of had a, that like hit me very hard because I do a lot of things and not very well, you know, and yes. I feel like a master of none a lot. And I feel like focusing on a niche would really help me, but it's a lot of fear of saying no to opportunities that are okay and might not be great. I have a lot of fear on that. Camilla actually gave me some of the best advice yeah. that I've gotten. Previous podcast guest. <laughs> which is to focus on one thing that is like your creative passion and that you're putting your energy in and your time into, and you're putting yourself out there wearing your heart on your sleeve. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is something that you don't have your name on at all. And it's just like your side hustle way to make money and pay for that creative project, Mm. which is really hard balance to achieve. But the second that she told me that I like really started seeking out that balance And then it came in like a really weird way. Mm -hmm. And now I am starting a new business. And in order for me to do that, I needed something that like, I didn't have to like necessarily put my heart into. It was just like 
work that I could get done. The new business? Yeah. So to fund me doing the new business mm-hmm. and like not actually working, I had to like come up with another way to pay my rent and just like cover base expenses. What were those things for you? Now I'm writing descriptions for Google Maps, like Great. randomly on the side. Great. And it like pays for everything. It's amazing. And I feel really lucky to be able to do that. But it's weird. Like once I started asking around and like putting that out there as an option, it really like came back in a great way. And now I can fund all the creative projects that I want to do. Yeah. And it's still focused on breakfast. I still keep my focus. I don't give up too much of my time to do that side thing. But a lot of freelance writers will ghostwrite things and do copywriting for brands. And I think that stuff's amazing. And people need to stop thinking that it's selling out in any way totally. because it is literally just, you have mastered this incredible skill and now you should use it to make money so that you can fund all of the other weird things that you want to do. I This is free podcast, people. I just learned so much. I mean, I feel like that's like, I could talk about this all day because I, I had a full-time job for a very long time and I did everything else on the side of that. And I would always say it's really great that I don't have to put the pressure on my creative work to make me money. But at the same time, I was always not wanting to work that full-time job because I didn't love that. And I always wondered what it would be if I went all in on this. And when I did, I thought it's going to be great. I'm just going to have way more time. But it was also kind of like somehow it was still hard for me to get the same amount of work done as when I had a full-time job. And so now I'm like, I want to fund this another way. I can allow it to unfold and see what happens. And it still has to be a niche, like master one thing really well sell out a little bit because you're an expert at it and you can now get paid for this and not put in as many hours as you would have to just like keep your full-time job. And then that will fund any other things that you want to start and do. It's like seemingly so easy, but like it, it, I mean, it took me what, like five years to figure that out and actually put it into action. And even now still, it's like, it's not easy, Yeah, but it mentally, like it makes me feel better. I'm not stressed out that I don't have a project coming in, I can at least like pay for my rent and general life. Which is a lot, you know, as a freelancer with insurance and just the uncertainty of things. And I think it's really important to talk about this. Yeah. And I'm glad we're having this conversation here. I stopped freelance writing, to be honest, because I didn't feel like it was worth the time Mm -hmm. and money that I was putting in. And some people are really incredible at it and that's what they want to do as their full career and they kill it and are amazing. But my heart was never full on in it. So that's why I was never like making the money that I really needed to or bringing my career to the place that I needed to. And I think I needed to go down that path in order to be on the path that I am now. So you should definitely entertain any kind of creative whim that you have and put yourself in it for as long as you can. And then don't feel bad if after like a year or even more or even less of doing that, you feel like you hate it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you suck at it. It just means that like, it's not for you. And I guarantee you, you will use that skill again in your life for like whatever you're actually supposed to be doing. Totally. It's like that Steve Jobs, you know, can't connect it out to moving forward, only going back or whatever. And it's, it's true. It's like we we have to figure out where we want to sit still for a while by moving around a lot. Exactly. So in a way that like manic feeling of being spread too thin is that time in your life when you're just like, I'm really excited about Mm -hmm. doing all this new stuff. And like, you don't want to 
take one of the pots off the stove just yet. Like you want to see what happens Mm -hmm. with it. But there's definitely like a boiling over point where you're like, I'm done balancing all this stuff. Like I want to move forward. And it's not always like a happy time or like realization that that happens. Like I think after I turned in my book, it was really tough. Like I had worked on the book for three years. I decided I didn't want to do breakfast club events anymore. I just felt like it reached its saturation point, at least for me. And in order for me to keep doing them at the level that I really like doing them, I would just never Mm. make any money or be able to live. So it was a really tough decision, but I will hopefully bring them back at some point. And I don't know, just like accepting that and like figuring out what's next. Yeah. Yeah. Allowing yourself to grow and change. And that's just being a person, you know? And I think we change so much as this generation, I think it might be a generational thing too. I don't know about your parents, but my parents, you know, have had the same jobs for like 30 years. And I don't know anyone in my social circle that that's been the case for. Which is tough because it's like a very specific subset of people. And we experience a lot of emotional pull um, a lot of times because we're working by ourselves, or like mm-hmm. really putting ourselves out there. It's not even just that like you're working really long hours and like trying to figure things out from a business perspective. Like this is your work and art. So it's mm-hmm. like a tormented artist vibe with like trying to be an entrepreneur with trying to be like all of these things. And you really just have to figure out how much you can pull from each of the buckets before they tip. And it's and they're fragile. not all, right, and they're not always going to be filled at the same time. I mean, that's something that I'm learning the very hard way, which is that like when my relationship's really great, my career is not that great, and my career is <sighs> great. But like, I just why can't. is it always like that? Yeah, I it don't totally know. Is. There are yeah. some people who seem to do it all quite well. I, I'm convinced you can have it all, and in, in a certain extent, and it's never going to be all right. perfect all the time. But I think as you grow, you learn how to just like you know how to say no better and it helps you just balance a lot of other things. Cutting off limbs is really hard. And when you have creative projects that you've been building from nothing or even hobbies, it's really hard to just be like, this is hurting me more than it's helping me, even though it might be helping other people. It's, I don't know, it's tough to do. Yeah. I think too, what I'm struggling with, I had a drink with a friend recently who works for a company now, but he used to be an entrepreneur And I was telling him that like mentally I wasn't in a very great place and I, and I'm in this kind of new ish being a full-time entrepreneur. And he's like, dude, that's a tough spot to be in because you have to have so much confidence every day as an entrepreneur, like sending out emails and doing the things you have to really motivate yourself. And when you're feeling low, like after a breakup, for instance, not that I'm talking about myself um, or whatever the thing is, it's hard to like pull yourself up when you're feeling sleepy or like on a day where I'm like on my period or like having to motivate myself when I had a boss and was like, okay, I just have to get this one thing done. Great. I could just at least do that. But when you're working for yourself, there's so much you could be doing at all times that it's hard to kind of give yourself that sense of dopamine at the end of the day of like, I got it. Okay. I got enough done. Cause what is enough? You know, it's honestly so amazing to hear you say that anyway, cause I feel like I would have said it exactly the same and it really is how you feel. And 
the one thing that I even still need to learn is how to not feel bad about that. Like I didn't work this weekend and it felt so weird. And I was really down for a lot of it. Like <laughs> half the weekend I felt like kind of depressed. Like because, you should be doing something. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I just wanted to sit around and watch TV and it was a Saturday. I should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But I just got back from traveling. And even though the traveling was also work, I was still having fun. So it's like this weird. You felt behind. Yeah. like, yeah. But I wasn't really behind. It's just exactly like when you work for yourself or you're in any kind of creative industry that like requires your brain to just like always be on and absorbing things, you never feel turned off. And that is traumatizing. Like it takes a long time to get out of that mindset. Yeah. It's funny. I had the opposite experience this weekend where I plan to be working because I have so much travel coming up and I worked really hard Saturday on my computer all day, really focused. And then I was planning to do that same thing. I had more I needed to do Sunday and a friend invited me to go to the beach. And I was like, I wanted to go so bad, but I said, no. Cause you know, it's like a full day thing. And I then woke up yesterday. Like I said no to the beach. I was bummed, but I was like, I must work. And then I just was so sleepy and had like really bad cramps. I like couldn't get my footing and working. And then I just felt bad that I didn't go to the beach. Right. So it's like, there, my point is it's the opposite of like, if you had worked, you might've felt bad about that you weren't resting. So it's just like, and then I was talking to a friend who happens to be a therapist and she was like about this spiral I was having. And she was like, well, if you had gone to the beach, you probably would have been stressed that you weren't working. So it's just like, no No. matter what we do, it's just kind of there. You never win. And it's just something you kind of have to live with. And what a lot of my friends tell me that I try so hard and I think I've gotten better at is really to carve out time and say, I am working from this time to this Mm -hmm. time. And when I'm done, I'm done. Like, doesn't matter. I'm yeah. not opening my computer. I'm not going to feel bad when you're traveling, when you're doing stuff, when you work with a lot of other people with flexible schedules and people are like, let's go to the beach on a Wednesday. Totally. <laughs> and it like throws a wrench in that plan. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just managing and figuring out what works best for you, but essentially just knowing that everyone doing this feels that anxiety and it doesn't really go away. It's more just about feeling better about it and like managing it and knowing that you're not alone in it because that is the worst feeling. Yeah. I think this is a, I feel like we've struck a chord here at the next breakfast event. We should like talk about this or something. It, It really is that not feeling alone in it. And that's good advice from your friend of like picking set hours because I email really gets me. Like I'm never going to have a zero inbox and I need to just learn to be okay with that, but it's hard for me. And so I'll be like, I'm going to get through emails today, but there there's for everyone you send, you're probably getting one back. So Mm -hmm. it's like an unending thing. So just my friend said kind of a similar thing to me. She was like, just say you're going to do an hour on emails. And however many you get done, you get done the hour instead of being like, I'm going to do all my emails because that could be infinite. Right. Way more manageable. Something yeah. I need to learn how to do too. Yeah, same. Man, it's rough. Okay, so we'll do we'll do these kind of as quick fire questions. So I want to talk a little bit about writing. You mentioned that you moved out of freelance writing specifically, but do you still obviously you, you wrote a cookbook and is writing still part of your life? Is it a cathartic thing for you? Yeah, I think it's kind of at this point, and I mean it goes through phases, but right now it's more in the form of just like journaling, Mm -hmm. which 
is something I wish I did more so that I could kind of document this whole process of starting a company. And even with the book tour, like I worked three years on the book and I feel like whenever you have this really momentous kind of work Mm -hmm. thing, life thing, anything, it just really goes by in a flash and it's nice to have those feelings in real time. So more personally, I, I like writing about that. I still do trend forecasts seasonally for WGSN. And that's the only freelance writing project I do just because I really love it. And it What's helps it, to stay What in is touch. that? Is that WGSN is a global forecasting agency oh, cool. and they do these, it's for B2B and they do these ingredient reports every season. So I do like global ingredient trends. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So can we talk about some trends? What I want to know, what are your fashion trends that you're seeing and liking right now? Let's start there. Oh, fashion trends? Yeah. I don't know what's trendy and what's just something that I like or slash uh-huh. have been doing. I mean, I just got, I just cut bangs. They look great. So, and I have cur- like very curly yeah. hair. So it was terrifying. They look <laughs> so good. I was just ready for a change and excited about that. For nails, I have one hand painted one color and I one did hand that painted recently the too. other it color. Looks amazing. Or like the alternating colors mm-hmm. I think is cool. I've always been like a jewelry person. So I have major ring I stacks, love your rings. major like necklace stacks. Yeah. I love all of your stuff rings. like that. Yeah. I think like we're what like decade are we in right now? Like eighties style, which yeah. is cool. Nineties or is that kind of going out? It's kind of like late eighties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've reached peak nineties mm-hmm. yet. And then there's a lot of like early two thousands influence. Yeah. It's always kind of a weird mix and it like skips like a mid decade and then yeah. it'll come back and be like that chunk. Like we were very hard weird. in the seventies like recently, but now I feel even my style is naturally evolving more to be like eighties. And then it, there's always some form of nostalgia. So it'll be like early two thousands or nineties, like whatever generation is kind of dictating fashion trends. It's whatever their kind of nostalgia Interesting. Yeah. Are there similar trends in food and other things to, does nostalgia ever play into food trends? I think always, I think no one should start a restaurant without trying to tap into some kind of nostalgia. Cause that's mm-hmm. the best way to connect with people on like yeah. the most emotional level and like really have them remember something. I mean, that doesn't mean like put pop rocks in your food <laughs> and nostalgia means something completely different to so many people. Right. So, I mean, with fashion, with food, with anything, especially these days, it's really just about being who you are and like representing your true self and honestly going on whatever wild journey you need to go on to figure that out. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who have had like really like wild turns and like their food and their menus are like chefs from other cultures are like opening restaurants from other cultures. And to me, that's not really appropriation as long as you're paying like the most respect Mm -hmm. that you possibly can to whatever culture you're representing. I mean, essentially the whole cookbook is other cultures and it was ridiculously terrifying to take that on. But for every recipe, for every country that's represented, there's more than one person from that country who helped like look over the recipe, make sure the head note was correct, make sure the recipe was correct. And at the end of the day, it's breakfast. So two people from the same country, from the same region are going to be like, that's wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Or that's right. Like it's, it's a very contentious time of day because it's so personal. Mm -hmm. And to me, what you eat is really personal and what you wear is really personal. So 
there's no way to just say this is cool. Like, yeah, you're cool if you wear this. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's kind of the opposite. Like anyone who's doing something wildly different ends up being way ahead. And for sure, those are all the coolest people to me. It's kind of just, I'm always trying to figure out how to be the most uninfluenced version of myself. And it's hard to do that when there's like a lot of noise coming in from different channels too. Yeah. So yeah. How do you create that distance? I mean, again, like traveling is really helpful because it just like breaks you out of whatever bubble or circle you're in at the time and gives you perspective on hopefully something. And I don't know, you take like a lot of stuff with you from that. Like I think everyone in Mexico City is like the chicest people I've ever seen. It's a place I really want. Yeah, and they're just so themselves and confident and cool and have this amazing like colorful kind of style, but. Cool. So I feel about you. I would like to travel with you. <laughs> you seem yeah, great. let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> what other food trends are you seeing right now? Kind of the rejection of fine dining in a way and really this return to just home cooking and hopefully cooking at home too. But people are a little less afraid now to like explore those local restaurants that they really never eat at, maybe that are a different culture than they're used to eating because food has become such a wild trend in itself that people are a lot more educated and willing to try new ingredients and new things. And as soon as you try something in a restaurant and you really like it, I think you're a lot more willing to buy it at the grocery store Mm -hmm. and then cook it at home and bring it more into your daily life. So just like exploring new restaurants and places that maybe are not on all of the hot lists Mm -hmm. and taking a chance. What did you have for breakfast today? I just had a half an avocado with Trader Joe's everything bagel Mm, seasoning and like a slice of turkey, which is so weird. Great. (laughs) And coffee. What's the best thing (laughs) you've eaten in the last week? I mean, this is literally the opposite of what I just told you, but I went to 11 Madison Park for the first time last night and it was so incredible. And obviously the food was incredible, but like I was really obsessed with the bread. Like they have an amazing bread program. I go so bad. And they brought out these mini English muffins. Oh my God. And then this like laminated <sighs> roll and even oh, the bread is cultured everything. butter with these like crisp rice crispy things on them. And oh my God. I don't know. The thought that goes into a bread program to me says everything about the restaurant. Yes. And then I had this. Um, I didn't even know it was called a bread program, but I like that. I'm in just, and of itself. I don't know if it's called that, but I, oh, I love it. Next time I come, that I just do a bread tasting menu. I, same. Can, may I join <laughs> <Yeah>. you? <laughs> that is my dream. <laughs> we'll definitely do that. That's perfect. They also did this corn cocktail, which was so oh cool God. because it was kind of inspired by Korean corn tea, or like mm. I think I think it was Korean. I know like Korean drinks you can make corn silk tea and it's just like a tea steeped from corn silk Mm. kind of like they have barley tea but this was made with fresh corn which i think is also a thing there too and then they made that into like a cocktail and it was just like so oh my god amazing and light and refreshing and it was so good wow so stuff like that i think is really cool how to take a really humble drink that you have a million cups of every day in Korea or like at Korean restaurants and then into what it looks like at an 11 Madison park level. And both of them are extremely amazing. It's just like always having that high, low experience 
is what gives you the perspective and actually makes you appreciate that EMP drink like 10 times more. Yeah, that's so cool. What are some of your favorite places in New York? I love Scar's Pizza in the Lower East Side. Scar Mills Flower in his in the basement and which is insane. Cool. Like Where who does it? that in the Lower East Side? Um, um on Orchard. I feel like I've walked by. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool and like they play like 90s rap music Great. and have natural wine, which is amazing. Oh, I, need, I need to go. Um, also in the Lower checking side. checking a lot of boxes for me. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, it's a good spot. I like Kopitiam, which is a Malaysian coffee shop in the Lower East Side. Mm-hmm. Winsun, it's a Taiwanese restaurant in Williamsburg. I kind of go back to like, I have like a dozen places that I rotate and yeah. I weirdly don't venture out of those that often. I will like go explore new neighborhoods and make like a day of it or try new things that friends will suggest, but I don't really get on the hype train of new yeah. restaurants. I'm loving this. Uh, Any more that you want to uh, on your, on yeah. your <laughs> I Woo's Wonton King is one of my favorites for like a bunch of friends and groups because it's like this really chill Chinese, like Shanghainese spot in Chinatown and it's BYO. So everyone in the natural wine community goes there because they just bring like insane bottles of wine with this like really chill Chinese food. And it's so delicious. And the whole team there is amazing. I hang out on the Lower East Side a lot. So there's a lot over there. Flora Bar. I live on the Upper East. So that to me is kind of like the closest. Yeah. Those are good ones. A favorite part of your life right now? That's a good question. Building this company that I'm building. It's so exciting. She'll come back to talk about it. Yeah. It's a totally, it's bringing in a lot of new skill sets for me, which is really exciting. So that's definitely, it's, it's fun to organize and get together and learn. And another excuse to just talk with new people and different industries and things like that. Yeah. What do you do when you're having a bad day or a bad moment, feeling overwhelmed? What do you do to pivot and make the day better? I don't know if this helps all the time, but I definitely watch a show that I really like. I feel like seeing other creative energy or like other people kind of like expressing something weird visually is really helpful or going to see art in some way and just kind of removing myself from my computer. Cause a lot of the times it's probably just because you've been staring at your computer for too many hours And it's really hard to pull yourself away. And for me to say, like, I'm just going to go on a walk, like, that's not motivation enough. So I'll, like, go and get a coffee somewhere or just try and remove myself from the technology for a second, which I guess is the reverse of what TV is. But for some reason, that's, like, putting my mind in another world so I can shut it off for a second. That's actually really good advice. I always feel better after I, like, watch a show. Yeah. And I don't do it. I had a weird winter and I nothing sounded good for me to watch. And so I just like wasn't watching any TV. And it really was not good for me because it was a it was a outlet that I missed creatively to not creatively, but to just relax and like turn my mind off and like kind of be in that like hypnotic state you can be in when you're just staring at right. content. Which in itself, if you do for too long is like totally just as but it's like everything in moderation. Yeah. You know, I know. And cutting it out completely I know, which made me overwork. So you know? hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's your greatest lesson on family? Just communicate. 
like my sister and I live together. So we have learned a lot through that and it works out really well. And generally it's been amazing, but obviously we've had a few fights about things and we're just really open with each other. It's not that like passive aggressive Mm -hmm. thing that happens with roommates or sometimes friends. Even I think with your family, like, you know, they're always going to be your family and you can kind of just speak your mind a lot quicker and a lot easier. So there's something really nice about that free flowing communication that happens. Yeah. That's really cool. Makes me wish I had siblings. What's your greatest lesson on friendship? This is kind of like a more, (laughs) this is like a sadder angle, I guess, but um, don't be afraid to cut friendships out of your life. Like I, I have a few really great friends and their life friends, and I'm always open to new friends and connections and everything. But I think when you are really social and creative, you, you kind of crave those connections. And sometimes you get connected to people who maybe are not as healthy for you to be around. And it's really hard to break those connections. So again, I guess this is also communication, like being really open with people about that kind of thing. Yeah. Cause that's, that's the toughest part of friendships, I think. Yeah. Yeah. What about romantic relationships? Oh God, don't take my advice for this. <laughs> Maybe next time when you talk about the company, you'll also Maybe. have advice. I think it's this like communication for that is above all else. Or like actually be emotional. I, everyone just needs to be emotional and express that when you're feeling it. Not in an overly dramatic way, but in a really healthy way. Like everyone should be able to talk about how they feel about things and talk it through. And it doesn't need to like mean anything. It's just healthy. Yeah. I mean, that's the last question. And the name of this podcast is let it out. And it's all around what we're, what we're launching now and will be out by the time this is out is letting out this concept of soft stories. So it's the raw, tender, vulnerable stories that I believe when we share, connect us, makes us feel less alone, and you can actually have a relationship. So I found that through doing this podcast, not every time, but every once in a while, someone would share something intimate or somewhat deep. And I instantly felt like I could connect with them. And then same for people who listen to the podcast. So has that ever happened to you? Have someone shared a soft story with you where you didn't have to out their story, but just something that allowed you to these aren't really told on like first dates or job interviews. Like where were you able to connect with someone else in that way? I think that's why I'm obsessed with morning rituals so much too, because it's that time of day that no one really talks about or tells you about. And I think you can get a really good sense of who people are and the way that they think and to just hear what people do in the morning or, and this is more, you know, not something that you just like talk about, but Mm -hmm. if like with your friends or with a significant other, I don't know, there's something like really special and connective about that time of day. So to me hearing or more like seeing too, like what people do in the morning and like how they actually are, I think that is definitely more than just like talking about it. Cause it's not something that you can really talk about. It's more just like how you act. I think it's, it's so interesting talking about morning rituals. Cause I was just talking with a friend about this about dating and about how like spending the night with someone isn't really like about the sex, the intimate part. It's like the, Oh, this is how this person like goes to the bathroom and this is the way they like do their morning. Like that's the part that's intimate about it. It has really nothing to do. I'm it's part of it, but 
bad. It's like every time that I am with someone and I see how they live, like even just like seeing how someone is in the wild without you is like a very intimate thing to run into someone on the street or it's, it's interesting totally. to see someone even, in there. Even friends, like mm-hmm. traveling with people, seeing totally. how people are when there's no one around to do anything with. And really the morning is like the only time that right. you get to see that because people are just waking up. They're not influenced by anything yet. Mm-hmm. They don't really have time to like overthink too much. It just kind of happens. And your goal for waking up is like getting yourself together for the day before you deal with anything else. I mean, even if you have kids, even if you have a family, it might seem like that, but like the first however much time you need is spent just on you. Even if you like pop out of bed. It's really interesting. The connection between let it out and soft stories and your work with morning yeah. has a lot more overlap than I thought. You it know? really does. I like breakfast as much as the next guy. And I was excited to talk to you but I had no idea kind of the connection between the two. Yeah, to me, I mean, breakfast is amazing and uh, I may get killed for saying this, but I do say it like, I don't eat breakfast every day. It's, I don't want to eat like a big breakfast or a small breakfast every day. Sometimes I just want coffee and it's just, what I'm obsessed with is the morning hours and like the things people choose to eat in the morning based on how they're feeling like way more kind of emotional than that. Like sometimes you wake up and you're like, I am making a mega feast for Mm -hmm. breakfast and there's nothing else you can focus on except for that. And I love those days, but you can't do that every day. Right. And it's interesting. I, I relate to that a lot too, because I, I wrote this book about journaling and I was like the journaling expert, which was so silly. If anything, I was like a journaling cheerleader. It's not something I made up, but it was like, I felt very identified with that. And then also I don't journal every day. It's a useful tool that I think is great, but it's not something that will be my work forever. But I like what you said. I kind of framed that to to my situation where it's not about the morning food. It's about the morning hours. And for me, it's not about journaling and writing. It's about the act of taking off masks. And the thing I love about journaling is that it allows you to be your unfiltered raw self because you're not worried about judgment from anyone else. It's for you. And it's the same with the morning hours and yeah, morning pages, morning hours. It's, there's a lot of overlap yeah, there. <laughs> okay. So one last lesson. What's your lesson on spirituality, God, what happens when we die? You grew up Jewish. Where are you with that now? Religion to me is just a way that people can feel a sense of community. Cause again, like the world is really lonely. So to me, it's more about people connecting with other people in their community and like quote God, I guess. Um, I don't, I'm definitely more spiritual in the things that I believe in. I don't want to say anything definitively because no one knows anything definitively, but I do believe in like energies and things like that. I think when you meet people, it's a pretty good indication of like who they really are. And you just have to be a little bit more in touch with that. But yeah, spirituality, like I'm very open to all of it. Like I love learning about religions. I love learning about all of the spiritual things that people do. I don't know if I'm like on board any of the trains really hard. I kind of just pull wherever I need to, whatever time I need to, and just like create my own like a version. Yeah, exactly. Which is, I feel like what religion and spirituality should be because your life shifts. Sometimes you need like 
a really aggressive outside force, like helping you along the way. And sometimes you're like good on your own and you just need like a little kick sometimes. Well said. Okay. So this is the portion of the podcast where you let out things that you are enjoying and liking. So it's a way to recommend things. So book, music, podcast, food that you're loving, TV show, you already mentioned one, maybe another movie. I really like The Dip right now. It's a band. They're from Seattle. I just saw them in concert and it was really good. I really like New Orleans right now. I just went for the first time and I was like completely enchanted and charmed and like everything good that can happen in a city. I feel like it just nailed it. I had Pondon water at this Thai restaurant in Queens and Pondon is this Filipino leaf and it's grown in Southeast Asia, but mainly it's from the Philippines and Malaysia, but they steeped it in water and it is, has this kind of like, almost vanilla umami kind of flavor to it. And it's really subtle, but also really strong. And there's just something so addictive about the flavor of it that I really love. So I was obsessed with that. A lot of friend hangs. Yeah, I know. I actually, like, this is so great. It's nice to meet you. I know. Same. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Uh, okay, so what about podcast, movie? Uh, podcast, I really like Lore. Oh, yeah. Which, People love that. I haven't listened yeah, it's. I kind of like the... I'm into the earlier episodes, mm-hmm. I think. I just really like the history meets fantasy kind of cool. space. I think that's great. What movie? shows or movies? They can be all-time faves or like yeah. current faves. What's the movie that just... Oh, I really want to see The Farewell. Oh, with yeah. Aquafina. I hear that's great. I just in the Fresh Air episode about it. Yeah. Fascinating. And I really love like everything that production company mm-hmm. does. I think it's like yeah. really forward thinking. What else do they do? They did they do Euphoria. Oh. And they right, right. did a bunch of other like good stuff. Yeah. I think we covered music, movie, book. Anything else you want to food yeah. that oh you oh, said books? Food. I am reading the creative curve right now, oh, which is really cool. It's kind of just calling bullshit on the tortured artist mentality, saying that anyone who thinks that you have to be in this like really dark, terrible place to like create beautiful work is like a complete lie. And it's really just like a bell curve of, of feelings. And a lot of times people no, like every time people actually put in so much hours and energy and effort into creating things that seem like what is an overnight success mm-hmm. and that it's just never how it appears on the outside. So kind of like Instagram. Yeah. So that's been really exciting. And it's kind of helpful to like read those like really wildly like kind of creative mindset books too. I really like The War of Art mm-hmm. as well. It's like very similar to that. Yeah. And reading those every few months kind of like helps me be like, all right, it's not like some crazy outside force yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. making shit go down. It's just life. Yeah. Um, Did you read Big Magic? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Big Magic, which was so cool because she was really personifying creativity. And that's kind of how it feels sometimes. Like you, it's a relationship that you need to have and work on every single day and yeah. you need to show up to work. And yeah. That's how it goes. She talks a lot about the morning hours, actually, because that's her most productive time. And she said this thing that that I remember hitting me that I still think about of like, who are you giving that time to when you're most productive? For you, it might be in the evening or afternoon or whenever. But I thought that was a really interesting way of looking at it. I thought about that too. And 
a lot of times people want to meet me for breakfast because they think I just want to eat breakfast all the time, which I mean, I kind of do, so it's fine. But at the same time, when I'm in work mode and like really trying to get stuff done or like pull something creative out, it's really tough for me to give up those hours because that's when I feel like everything kind of goes well. I know. I know. Same for me too, but it's kind of like the day of where I like wanted to go to the beach, but didn't because I had to work. And then if I if I don't have, I like to have those hours open, but then sometimes when I do, when I do, I'm like, oh, I'm here and I'm alone and I need to work, I but I can't. And it's like, it's just off. Sometimes it's like, you can't the pressure. Force yeah. It. yeah. It's like, and that's the time where I should like do something more mindless or yeah. anyway. Okay. So the name of this podcast is let it out. So is there anything else that you want to let out? Did I squeeze you for all your juice? Is there anything that you wish that I would have asked that you never get to share? I think we we covered a lot. It was good. It's nice to talk about this stuff. I feel like people need to do it a lot more. So Agreed. I'm happy that this podcast exists and hopefully it helps at least one person not feel like they're stuck in their head too much. Yeah. It helped me. So check. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank oh, you. and I haven't recorded for a minute. We end with a deep breath. So we let it out together. Cool. Ready? Okay. okay. Inhale. Let it out. <sighs> All right. That was my episode with Emily Elise Miller. Follow her closely. Everything she does. I think she's fantastic. The emoji for this episode, I'll tell you in a minute. I'll tell you at the very end. First, my likes and learns. Number one, I've been liking my new website and having it done, making something and putting it out felt good. It felt cathartic. I'd been working on this since February of 2018 and just wanting it to be perfect and wanting it to be this big, huge thing that I had to put what I was calling with Amanda and Megan who work with me, putting the puppy in the water, which I don't even know if that's a saying, but I made it up. And it was a lot. It was a lot of work and time and effort and bugs. And I'm just happy that it exists. So please check it out and share it and tell me what you think. And like I said, it's not done and it's not perfect. And there will be more content that will go into it as we grow, but that takes time. And anyway, that's one thing that I've been liking. And I loved the party. It was just really cool to do these storytelling, soft storytelling events. And I want to do them more often in more cities. And let me know what you think. What do you guys want more of from me? What do you want to hear? What would be useful to you? What do you like most about this show? What do you like least about this show? Send me feedback, but be kind because, I don't know, I've been feeling a little fragile this year, obviously. So no really mean feedback, but I do want your feedback because I do want to grow. I've also really been enjoying apricots. They are in season right now, and they have some good ones by the health food store that I go to all the time by my apartment. So I've been eating like a few of those a day. And then also therapy. Therapy has been very useful to me. And especially on the go as I'm traveling, I'm happy that I can have a therapist in my pocket. So consider BetterHelp. If you have any questions about therapy or BetterHelp, let me know. I would love to answer them for you, not as a therapist, but as someone who could point you into the direction of perhaps using one through BetterHelp. Okay, and then my learn for the week is a quote that my friend Josh Radner, who's done the podcast before, told me it's a line from Richard Greenberg, who he did a play with several years ago about nostalgia. And I've been thinking about nostalgia a bunch 
moving makes me very nostalgic. Traveling makes me nostalgic. The change of seasons makes me feel nostalgic. It could just be Tuesday and I could feel nostalgic. I talked about this in my episode with Jessica Hernandez because she is jokingly referred to someone who has nostalgia disease. And I think I have it too, or she's contagious or something. But anyway, here's this Richard Greenberg quote that just went right in for me. He says, nostalgia is longing for a time you knew you could survive. Ah, that really lands with me. Anyway, maybe that's useful to you. The emoji for this week's episode is the croissant. I hope we haven't used that before. If anyone knows if we have, you're wonderful for knowing that. That's really cool. And thank you for being that dedicated of a listener. But I just think we talked about the bread program at 11 Madison and the mini English muffins, which I'm dying to try. But I don't think there's an English muffin emoji and the croissant seems like a breakfast bread. I just feel like it fits, you know? So comment that on Emily's Instagram to let her know that I'm that you're listening all the way to the end and mine and follow us and follow the new Let It Out. They, it has a new Instagram. Listen, my skin is very sensitive and I don't try out a lot of products, but I did try out this one called BioClarity a bunch of years ago and I still use it and I love it. And now they are supporting the podcast. They're a clean green skincare routine brand and they're 100% cruelty-free, paraben-free, sulfate-free, no artificial fragrances. They're 100% vegan and you can try them risk-free. They'll give you your money back if you don't like them. They make this easy to use skincare regimen that has great for you ingredients that you put on your skin and has really helped me honestly I like the way the texture feels it has this really potent color in the product that I want you guys to see it's all natural and it's really easy to understand exactly what ingredients are in it and I think it's helped me with some of my hyperpigmentation from acne scarring and knock on wood but you know my pimples are, are doing great right now I use their clear skin routine it's for combination oily breakout prone skin they have other regimens too but that's the one I use and it comes with everything you need to you know have your skin be okay. I really love it. It's not overly drying. It helps with the redness and the hyperpigmentation and it kind of evens my skin tone out. I think you guys would really like it too. There are three steps, cleanse, treat, restore. I used their, I had a little pimple the other day and I used their spot treat and I swear it just kind of like went away the next, the next day, which, you know, I sound like an infomercial right now, but honestly that happened, but who knows? Anyway, I think you guys would really like it. Try it and just see for yourself. You know, there's it's risk-free. So the link is in the show notes, bioclarity.com. And right now for you guys, you can save 40% on a skincare routine plus an additional 15% off of everything on their website. I really like their oil too. That's an incredible deal. And you just have to use my code, let it out at checkout. So that's bioclarity.com for 40% off your routine plus 15% off everything on their website with my code, let it out at checkout. I have talked to therapists in person and over the internet, and I really love this service, Better Help, Better H-E-L-P Help. They match you with a licensed therapist in 
under 24 hours, you can start communicating with them. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account at any time and message your counselor who's licensed and vetted. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it really easy and free for you to change counselors if needed. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And financial aid is available. If you've been considering therapy or you've been in therapy and out of therapy and you want to try something again, this might be a really great way in. And I have a special offer for you for my listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash let it out. That's betterhelp.com slash let it out and use the code let it out at checkout for your discount. I really think that this company's great and they do a really nice job with their platform and I think you guys would really like it. So check it out. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you have any questions and thank you BetterHelp. I love you so much. Thank you for listening and support the sponsors. Sign up for the Let It Out letter. I love you guys. I'll talk to you later and I'm in Europe when you're hearing this. I haven't left now. Obviously I'm recording it, but I will be in Paris right now when you're listening to this. Or maybe not. I might be in the next location that I'm going. I'll tell you. I'll keep you guys updated because I'll be recording my intros there on the go very soon. Love you guys. Talk to you later. Bye.